nervous when that first car came around that, that hill. I'm just telling you. And they just fly around there. Uh, they drive a little bit different than we do here. <laughs> so, uh, but it's cool to be able to bless our missionaries. And uh, we don't necessarily always get to see where our money goes or what it does. Um, but we know that it's being effective for the gospel. We know that it's helping our missionaries uh, get what they need. And uh, I just want to highlight a few students that we have here. Um, uh, for instance, uh, this year has been obviously has limited us uh, in our goals uh, for for our youth. But it was cool to see uh, Miss Caroline up here do a marathon, walk a marathon, and uh, raise money that way. Um, got Keontae up in the uh, the sound booth back there. He's doing our video for the day. Y'all give Keontae a hand <laughs> this morning. <laughs> but. Um, He's gone with me several times to pick up furniture from UA or different people's houses, sell it online, and make money for Cedar Light that way. Um, I got Addie up here and uh, Riley uh, that are raising money doing babysitting. Instead of going out, spending money on clothes, food, you know, the typical stuff teenagers do, uh, they're giving a lot of their money that they're raising to speed the light. And it's just it's cool to see their heart and uh, some of the creative things that our students are able to do. So this morning, I want to encourage you, um, you know, no pressure, but um, I do want to say that um, th this morning, if you would like to give uh, towards Feed the Light, you can, you're can. you more than welcome to do that in our baskets outside. Um, we are trying to, I, I can imagine how the missionaries are feeling this year, like with all the craziness and lockdowns and everything else, but it, it would be cool to give them just an extra blessing, you know, and to be able to uh, meet their needs. So just throw that out there. All right. Let's get into the message this morning. Um, before we get into the uh, message or the actual scripture, I ask you a few questions. Um, have, have you always wanted to maybe just go into a store, your favorite store, and just buy everything that you want? You know, maybe, uh, you, maybe you get on one of these game shows, and they give you like a $10,000 limit. You know, like buy anything you can buy, $10,000 in one hour. How many of you would take that? You, you would go in there, you got some things, you got a store in mind that maybe you would go to? Um, I can think of a lot of things uh, right now that I would buy myself uh, or my wife, maybe some jewelry, maybe a few new cars, maybe some land, maybe a vacation, that sounds nice. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things. Uh, probably first thing I would do is try to pay off my debt. <laughs> Anybody else agree with me on that? Uh, am I the only one with debt? I don't know. Uh, but we all love, I think everybody, I don't know anybody that doesn't love to spend money on something. Uh, some people live, even live their lives for making and spending money. As soon as they get the money, it's gone because they're spending it on something. Um, that's not very much to look forward to. But today I am going to talk a little bit about money. I know some of y'all, I saw your eyes, you're like, no, not money. We can't talk about that. Um, it's not, it's going to be the, uh, a, a good part of the message this morning, but it's really to set up the end. And so I hope it all comes down and makes sense. But it often surprises Christians when they discover just how much the Bible talks about money. In fact, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible in regards to wealth and possessions. Jesus spoke about money about 15% of his preaching. 11 out of the 39 parables were about something to do with money and possessions. In fact, it is his most talked about topic, even more than love. I think money is important. It's important to talk about. And today I want to talk about a root. Last week we talked about roots. We talked about a root of unforgiveness, a 
root of bitterness that stems from unresolved or unchecked anger, if you're with us for the second service. And uh, this week, I want to talk about another root of greed. Have you ever heard this phrase? Money is the root of all evil. You've heard that? Money is the root of all evil. That's a false statement in two ways. Number one, it's love of money is the root. But also, uh, um, you know, well, let's just read this, and then I'll, I'll kind of comment on that. <laughs> uh, if you're with me this morning, we're mainly going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read 6 through 10. I'll be a couple of, of different other places uh, that will be on the screen, but um, primarily I'll, I'll be there. So if you want to join me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and this morning I'll be reading out the New King James Version. So um, let's read it together. And um, then we'll pray. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Yet, and I'll stop you there. Yet, that should show you a symbol right there. Yet, this is a continuation of a thought from the, the previous verses. So if you want to read it all in context, go ahead and read the uh, earlier in chapter 6, where he's talking about um, some of the false leaders and false teachers who are basically... Uh, using Christ to gain money, <laughs> which is bad. But he says this, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be what? Content. Verse 9, but people who long to be rich into temptation are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires uh, that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Here's that famous verse. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, if you look at that Greek word, I actually like I don't read the King James very much, but I do think it is a very good translation. Um, I think that it gets a lot of things right and a, a lot of things better than other translations do. But I would have to disagree with it on here. And if you, if you go back and do your own study and look at this Greek word, the, uh, it's called ridza, which means a root in Greek. It's, I mean, it's not saying that the love of money is the root of all evil in the world. We can even go back to Adam and Eve and know that. They didn't even have money. You know, it was about a fruit. Or Cain and Abel is about jealousy, about envy of uh, Abel's blessing from God. You know, it's not that money is the root of all evil, but it is a root. It is a root of, of evil, of all kinds of evil, the love of money. And I want to shout out to uh, give uh, Brother Shelby uh, Piercy a good shout out this morning because he uh, donated some commentaries to me. And I didn't think I would be looking at them quite as much as I have been already. I've been in them. Uh, researching and looking up different verses. So uh, thanks to him, he's helped me out a, a lot. So, But uh, let's pray. Let's pray over the word this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for today. What a great day it is. Lord, we're not going to take any day for granted, but every day is a blessing from you. We thank you that uh, for the, the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. We thank you that we have forgiveness of sins. And we thank you as we sang this morning, we have a friend in you. A friend is close that cares about us, that's with us through this life. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Speak to us through your word this morning. Help us to leave this morning changed. Uh, help us to leave this uh, morning closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So a couple things real quick, uh, just about Timothy, if you don't know. Uh, Timothy was a letter written to Timothy, to Timothy, uh, from a guy by the name of Paul who was former, former named Saul. Uh, Paul, in chapter 1 in 1 Timothy, literally considers Timothy a son in, his, in the faith. He was like a son to him. And so uh, Timothy is leading a church in Ephesus at the time when Paul is writing to him. And he's just encouraging them about all kinds of stuff throughout uh, the six chapters in 1 Timothy. If you care about this, it was written in about 64 to 65 A.D. Um, so Paul is writing this letter, and as he's coming to a end on it, he really focuses on money and contentment. So the first thing I want to talk about through these verses is that godliness with contentment is great wealth. 1 Timothy, let's read it again. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Yet true godliness with contentment is acceptable wealth. After all, we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. What's the definition of contentment here? Contentment is an inward sufficiency that comes from a full acceptance and appreciation of God's provision. It's an inward, inward sufficiency. This inward possession cannot be affected by outward circumstances to be content. I think verse 7 is so profound if you really think about it. We did not bring anything in this world. You see, you see babies, right? We didn't bring anything in the world. And we can't take anything from this world with us. No possessions, no wealth. We can't take it with us. So what's he trying to say here? Relish what you have instead of resenting what you are missing. When we become content, we realize that God is enough. Here's another, um, well, yesterday we uh, celebrated Jamie Kate's fifth birthday. It is just like mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I know they've they said this to me my whole life. They're like, you won't, once you um, graduate and you get married and you start having kids, like time just like speeds up exponentially. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. It does. I'm like, five years, my goodness. Like, I have a five-year-old. Like, I'm a dad, <laughs> you know, like I'm a dad-dad. Um, I'm over 30 now. Like, this is, this is, this is crazy. Um, but yesterday, we, we got to celebrate her um, fifth birthday, and we had a good time. You know, we had a slide out there. We tried to keep the numbers down as best we could, um, you know, with everything going on. We, we even told somebody, don't worry about coming. People, don't worry about coming. Like, maybe celebrate later. But uh, I love my daughter because she will, anything you give her, she just loves. Like, you give her a box, she loves it. Like, um, <laughs> Miss Diane ended up giving her, I just remember that, a typewriter, like one of them old ones, didn't even work, right? And she's over there typing away. She's like, ah, oh, thank you, give her a big hug, you know? I mean, she just loves stuff. Like, you give her, she loves it. She's very content with what you, whatever you give her. And I love that about her. She's not, she's not one of them, what you would call uh, bougie people, I guess. That's what we say. You know, you got to have like the best. But I do think it's funny with kids, and even with my daughter, she's not perfect, but, um, the big thing nowadays is Frozen, right? Frozen, Elsa, Anna, Let It Go, Into the Unknown, all that stuff. Um, just that playlist just rings through my head like, all the time, you know what I'm saying? But she has, I mean, if I had to guess, and this is not an exaggeration, I think she has at least 10 Elsa dolls, at least. I mean, she has so many Elsas. But we get into the store and she sees one she doesn't have, guess what? 
She wants that Elsa doll. <laughs> she don't have that one. I'm like, you have 10 Elsa dolls at the house. But daddy, I want that one. That one's got skates. Or that one's, you know, um, mermaid Elsa or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, that don't even make sense. <laughs> but, uh, I, <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, some, usually, depending on how good she is in the store, you might get it for her. But a lot of times I do say no uh, to what she wants, uh, some, a lot of those things she wants. But what am I trying to say? There's something naturally inside of us, inside of our human nature, that, that, that is not content. And I'll, I'll show you that in just uh, right here. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, this is what Paul says. Philippians 4, 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or whether living in plenty or want. One thing, and you can keep that verse up for a second. Um, one thing I want to highlight here, a couple things is, he said, I have learned to be content. He had to learn it. It's not something that you just like grow up with. I'm content about everything, right? You have to learn how to be content with the things that you have and, and the, the gifts um, you know, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. The things you have uh, to be content. If you have, he said, if, if I'm fed, whether I'm fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or want, he said, I've learned the secret to be content. And you know he's learned the secret when he can write that from prison, you know, from that state of mind. And here's what I've uh, noticed and seen, and many of us have. COVID-19 has caused a lot of problems. Uh, for several of us, it has Making us, it has made us take a hit in our finances. For some of us, our schedules are crazy. We got kids living with us for a lot longer period of time than we were used to. <laughs> um, for others of us, it's, it's stress. It's not knowing, could I be laid off this week? You know, what's the future hold? Am I going to get sick? You know, there's all these struggles. And I think it's important to note that even if our lifestyle has to change some, and those things that we thought we, we never wanted to let go of and never want to get rid of, you know, this is a time where we have to look at ourselves and say, are we willing to let go? Um, it's kind of funny, like, uh, living in the college life, um, for most people, you go to college, you probably don't have money. I didn't. I was making $100 a week. Um, and, yeah, even after college, I was making about $100 a week. <laughs> And that went to gas and food, and, and I just remember so many times having, like, $5 in my bank account. Like, no savings, no nothing, just $5 in my bank account and having to fill up for gas. <laughs> like, how far can this get me <laughs> before I get paid again? And I look at times like that, but I'm thankful because it, it really taught me a lot about not, uh, you know, not taking things for granted. Um, the opposite of contentment is greed. And I'll try to hurry up here. I just realized where we're at. Okay. Because this is not the, 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 the entire focus of what we're going to talk about today. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 and 10. People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Do you love money? And I think uh, if all of us Christians in here were like, no, nope, not me. Nope, I don't love it. <laughs> nope, Bible says not to love it. I don't love it. But do you? Do we love 
money. As a matter of fact, it goes even farther than that in this verse, if you notice. It said that even those who crave money, they don't even have it, but they crave it to have it. They have wandered from the true faith and have been uh, plagued with many sorrows. If, if you were to have, uh, let's just say, you had somebody rich in your family. Maybe you didn't even know about it. Let's just say that you were left a fortune of, um, I won't go too far out there, but I won't go too steep either. Let's just say about $2 million, okay? You got inherited $2 million. You feeling pretty good? What you going to do with that? Think about it, all right? Um, would your lifestyle change? That's, that's one thing I think about. If I were to inherit a bunch of money, would, would, would my whole lifestyle change? Or, or would I continue? You know, obviously I would pay off my debt. That would be number one. Pay, well, actually, I'll take that back. Reverse that from the record. Tithe first. Give the mission. Then after I uh, took care of God, because obviously he was the one that gave me the gift or the ability to. Then I would pay off my debt. But what would change? Can you think of some things you would spend money on? You know, would you get a new house, new cars, new boat, new this, new that? Initially, how many of you were thinking about stuff for yourself? Versus what you could use the money for for others. In the parable of the sower in Matthew ch- uh, chapter 13, verse 22, y'all know the story, you know, he's casting seed. I'll try to hurry. He's casting seed, some of it falls on the road. The bird comes up, that's the devil. He takes it away even before it takes root. The, the, the seed is the word of God. And so the word doesn't even, it can't even take root in somebody's life. The devil ends up taking it away. They don't understand it. The second one falls among um, uh, the rocks, you know, or the hard soil, and it, it never gets roots. And so when the, the, the troubles of life come, it's, it's not rooted anywhere, and so it ends up drying up in the sun. The third one falls on the ground. It falls on good soil. It grows, but the thorns of life come, and, and what it says is, and I'll read it. Now, um, is it up there? Matthew uh, thirteen twenty-two. Now, those who receive the seed among the thorns is he who hears, hears the word and cares the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. I told you uh, we're going to talk a little bit about roots and roots of wealth and roots of greed today. Here's what we need to realize. This is somebody who's been rooted in the word. This is probably somebody who's been living in church. They have roots. They've grown up, but they've allowed the thorns to choke them out. That's us. That's those of us who've been in church. That's those of us who are trying to live for God. Those are the people like us who get sidetracked by the deceitfulness of, of, of wealth and the word, and that, in that sense, that will choke us out. So is money bad? No, money's not bad. Matter of fact, I want to challenge you with this. Make as much money as you can. Do it. Be successful. You know, if you can make more money, make more money. But always be content. Give as much as you can away. You know, the, the more you get, the more you should be able to give. It, and that's the opposite effect typically with, with humans. You know, you give a homeless guy 20 bucks, and then some, somebody else goes up and, hey, hey, I need some money for food. He's probably going to give them some money. They know what it means to be content. They didn't have $20 before. Now they have it. Now somebody else is in need. They'll give it. But for us, we're like, nah. You want, you want some food money? Nah, go get it somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're more reluctant the more we have. It's almost like the more reluctant we are to give. And that comes from a place of not being content. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this. 
Do not lay up for yourself treasures on on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, here's where your heart is, where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Are your eyes on eternal things or material things? And a good question we have to ask ourselves, and we can ask this every week, what did I do this week to affect eternity? What did I do this week to affect eternity? Or was everything material in form? And that includes prayer. That includes spiritual warfare. That includes a lot of things. But what do we do to affect eternity? Here's where I'm going to shift. I told you I was going to shift. I'll do it fast. The last thing I want to talk about this morning that leads up to all this is the prosperity gospel versus the theology of suffering. And you're like, man, where's this coming from? I hope it makes sense. You know, in today's era, especially in the United States, it's, I mean, what we, a lot of people, well, I won't say a lot, some people grasp onto is the prosperity gospel of God wants health, wealth, success, and grace without repentance. And it's like, if you come to God, if you'll just sow this, or if you'll just, you know, come to church and, and do this, then you'll be successful. Then you'll be wealthy. Then you'll have good health. And where some people are, and God does choose to bless, I can name countless examples of people who had to suffer in Scripture and that God did not deliver them, or at least not deliver them for a time. You can look at Joseph who was in prison. You know, uh, he was thrown in a pit, by, sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. And, but eventually God used that to make him Pharaoh. I look at somebody like Paul who wrote a lot of what we talked about today. When Paul was called by God, he was formerly Saul. The first thing that, that God said to him was, you're a chosen instrument, and um, you're going to be used uh, as an instrument of suffering. You're going you're gonna to re- realize how much you're going to have to suffer for my sake. And we even see that in uh, the book of Galatians, he talks about how the reason why he was even there preaching was because of illness. Paul had an illness? Why can't he just heal himself? He healed so many others. Here's the thing. If we have a, a, a theology of God that's just all blessing, all good, all just, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make you well. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to have good health. Then when the times come where you lose your job or somebody in your family walks away from Christ or you've been praying for that person to be healed, be healed, be healed, and they don't get healed, what's that say about us? Is that because we didn't have enough faith? Is that because we didn't pray enough? Is there something wrong with us? Or do we not just have a theology of suffering? See, we live in a fallen world. But, and, and, and trials will come. One of the promises Jesus did promise us was that you will have trouble. <laughs> That's one of the things he did say. But James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you have these trials of various kinds. The testing of your faith. Suffering can bring us closer to God. You know, there's times when God will allow us to walk through things and not heal us. Because sometimes suffering brings us closer to God. Does that make him a bad God? No. Sometimes, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it's because, you know, in our suffering, we can comfort others as Christ comforts us. 
You know, I'm, I, I look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is pleading with God to take this thorn in the flesh away from him. He's pleading, take it away, take it away. Three times I prayed, take it away. And God didn't take it away. But you know what God did tell him? My grace is sufficient. He said, my power is made perfect, is strong in your weakness. When you're weak, I'm strong. So God, as I close, band can come up. I look at Romans chapter 8, 28, pretty famous verse. Many of you know it by heart. It says this. We know in all things that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Does that mean that um, all things are going to be good for those who love God? No. What it means is this. God can take any bad situation and make it into something good. He can bring good from the bad. And so in our theology, we, we got to learn that in this journey of pain, God is close to us. We've been singing about it this morning. Some of us, we came in with a broken heart. We're wondering why God didn't heal. We're wondering why. And I believe in healing. Man, we, in this Pentecostal church, we're going to lay hands. We're going to put oil on you. We're going to believe it until it don't, I mean, until God says otherwise. That God's going to deliver. That God's going to heal. That God's going to set free. That God's going to, uh, you know, break through in your situation. We believe those things. But even if it doesn't happen, God's still good. He's still on the throne. He's still walking with us. And, you, and we've got to get to the point where, you know, God, if this is my lot in life, if I am walking through this, I'm going to walk through it with all faith, believing that you are still all-powerful, that nothing catches you off guard, that you're still in control, and I'm going to believe you through it. And for those of us who are walking through a hard time, maybe they lost somebody they love, maybe something didn't work out quite the way they wanted to, we are going to walk that, that journey with them as well as the body of Christ. God is a God of blessing and He will bless us. There's a lot of promises in Scripture. If you're faithful to God, He will be faithful to you. There's a lot that we can pray for. I believe in prayer. We are going to continue to pray. But even if, even if what we're praying for doesn't come to pass, God's still good. God is still good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can think of so many people, but Brother Shelby just came to my mind, you know, as he's, as he's going through these cancer treatments and stuff. And it's like, man, why don't he just be healed? Why don't God just heal him? I don't know. On this side of eternity. But I know there's a fact for all of us who know Christ. One day we'll be healed completely. We won't have to worry about suffering. We won't have to worry about pain. We won't have to worry about death anymore because we will be in the presence of God that's a good place to be you know what paul said uh after uh philippians 4 12 he said i can do all things through christ who gives me strength that means i can endure what i need to endure for the sake of god i can endure it here in this time this small time that we have here on earth i can endure it because i've learned to be content with what i have i've learned to be content even though life is not fair and I may not be the same way as somebody else, they may be stronger than me, they may be um, more successful than me, they may have more than me, whatever, but I'm going to learn to be content and I'm going to learn to put my faith in Jesus because He's the source. He's sufficient. His grace is enough. Would you stand with me?
look at somebody like uh, Bailey's aunt. Just had a, it was a car wreck, right? Car wreck. I look at so many. We get. Uh, I'm on the prayer chain, so I, I try to always look and pray for the the emails that we get. And sometimes we see God work, and sometimes we see God move, and sometimes it's not yet, or He doesn't. He chooses not to. But I, I just want to encourage you this morning. If you have a heavy heart, if you're going through something, if you're trying to give up on praying for something, don't. You know, even though God didn't change Jesus' plea when he was in the garden, and he said, take this cup from me, take this cup from me, take this cup from me, I think he said three times, he still made him go through the cross, right? But then he, but he sent an angel to strengthen him, to walk through it. Prayer works. God works through prayer, and we're going to continue to pray. And uh, if, if you have a need this morning as we close this last song, would you just lift your hand and say, I, I, I got a need. I need, I need God to, to walk with me, work with me, and even do a breakthrough in my life. Would you just raise your hands as a, as a sign of faith saying, God, I bring this before you. I don't understand it, you know, but you know what? My full faith is going to be in you. I need for this child, this person in my family to come to you. I need this person to be healed. I need a breakthrough in this area because I'm being swamped with uh, my job or my finances, my family, or whatever it is. But I need you. But even if I don't see it or even if it doesn't happen on my time, I'm still going to pray for it. I'm still going to trust and I'm still going to believe that you are good. Would you pray with me before we go into this last song of worship? Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, uh, that you're working in this place. Holy Spirit, we know that you're working in our lives. We know that you are in our lives. God, help us not to be so attached to the, the temporal things of this world. But God, help us to have our eyes on the things that affect eternity. And to know that in this age, we may be having pain, we may have suffering in our lives. But God, I pray that you would uh, give us strength. Give us peace. Walk through this journey with us. We thank you that you are such a good God. You are. And we give you the highest praise for us today. And thank you. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to come down, I got some exes down here. You can come spend some time at the altar. Spread apart. Uh, but let's sing this last song.